0: Last week we focused on one aspect of the occult, which is in the area of fortune-telling. Fortune-telling involves seeking to understand hidden knowledge and hidden mysteries contrary to the way that God has prescribed in his word for us to obtain them. The book of James says, If any of you lack knowledge, then let him ask God in faith, and God will reveal what you need to know. That doesn't mean he's going to tell us everything, because some things we don't need to know. Some things he doesn't want us to know. He'll let us know when when the time is right. But we're to trust in the wisdom and the loving kindness of the Lord. But if people are not satisfied with the knowledge that God gives, or they have no relationship with Christ, they seek after hidden knowledge through many other means. Fortune-telling sums up many of those means. We talked about this last week. The use of the horoscope, for example, is very commonplace. Cardomancy, which is the laying of cards and reading one's fortune from the laying of cards. Palmistry, the reading of the palms. My wife said that she, at one place where she was working, she was invited to a party in which it was a palm-reading party. They were inviting someone in to read poems, tell fortunes, and they said, you know, she said, no, I don't care to come, and they said, well, we didn't figure you would, but we think it's just all fun and games. Of course, there's a lot of neat things you can get out of it, and people dabble around in things thinking that it's fun and games, but at the same time, we we shared with you many different illustrations of how that people can come under the power of suggestion and so forth, and direct their lives according to what their fortunes have been told. Other areas would be the divining with the rod and the pendulum. And this is used in a lot of different ways to, even even in law enforcement, psychics are called upon to determine where evidence can be in a crime, a missing person. Dividing with a rod or pendulum, you've heard of the fork stick to find water. Water witching, for example, falls under that category. And there are many, many other areas. We just scratched the surface last week on this. And then mirror mantic or crystal gazing. Like I I was telling Nate, one of the fairy tales out out of the Disney system. Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. What is it? The witch stands, or the queen stands before the mirror and says, Mirror, mirror on the wall. Who is the fairest of them all? And of course she gets upset when the mayor replies back that it's Snow White. In a lot of this, it's easy to take the liberal religion, religious approach and just say, ah, that's nothing more than old customs and superstitions and fairy tales and I don't believe there's anything in it. But that's exactly what Paul was talking about here when he says that Satan can take advantage of us because of our ignorance. We've been reading to you from a theologian out of Europe who was who spent his whole life dealing with cases of the occult, Dr. Kirk Coke. And I'm not sure if he's with us anymore. He may have gone home to be with the Lord. But at the same time, he shared in his writings that he has several books that he has over 20,000 cases on file. And so for the purpose of us just learning, we've shared with you some of those cases so that you can get an understanding of what he was counseling with. I'm not saying that we should put it on the level of Scripture. It's just something for you to pray about and think about. It's something for you to be discerning with. And we gave you many, many different illustrations from his writings uh, in that particular, care, particular area. Now, scripturally wise, if you want to look at a few other passages, we've given you several passages like Deuteronomy chapter 18, Deuteronomy 27, Deuteronomy 28, many other places. Look at a few others like Leviticus chapter 20. The Bible comes out in many, many places, both Old and New Testament, and condemns the righteous from dabbling into the realms of the occult and false religions. Look, for example, at Leviticus chapter uh, chapter 20. I mentioned also false religions because when we get done with the occult, we'll talk about some of the false religions. I want to talk about the Muslim religion, for example, because it, I find more and more that you have a lot of Christians that are taking a very wishy-washy attitude of the Muslim religion. I think Billy Graham's son had it right right after 9-11 when he made a statement that the Muslims are a, and they are, their type of religion is aggressive and it is the type that is not to be treated with a wishy-washy attitude. He, He said that in their doctrines and creeds, they believe that if you're not a Muslim, then you're worthy of death. They don't tolerate other religions. Period. And we can see that terrorism hitting this country in a lot of ways. And you may you may hear a lot of other things, but when it comes right down to what is written in, in the Quran and other books, and Muhammad himself, he was nothing more than a religious terrorist. That's all that he was. But we'll save that for later. But... Listen to some of the passages like here in the book of Leviticus chapter 20, for example, and verse 6. He says, well, in verse 5, he says, I will set my face against that man and against his family and will cut him off and all that go whoring after him to commit whoredom with Molech from among their people. And the soul that turns after such as have familiar spirits and wizards. The idea of wizards in the Hebrew is Seeking knowledge from below. He says, And wizards, to go whoring after them, I will set my face against that soul, and I will cut him off from among his people. Verse 27, 26. You shall be holy unto me, for I, for I the Lord am holy, and I have severed you from other people, that you should be mine. A man also, or a woman, that has a familiar spirit, or that as a wizard shall surely be put to death, they'll stone him with stones, Their blood shall be upon him. Now we don't obviously get into carrying out as a nation uh, capital punishment the way that Israel did, but God's attitude was that they were to be separate. The New Testament says the same way, to come out from among them, to be separate, to be holy, to be priests unto the Lord. And we gave you many New Testament passages that point in the direction of people severing themselves from occult practices and practitioners First Corinthians um, sorry, First Chronicles chapter 10 for example and verse 13 and I believe this is talking about King Saul who when he, he was not serving the Lord as he should and seeking to want to understand hidden knowledge about his kingdom he sought rather to the occultists and because of that he lost his kingship. Verse 13, So Saul died for his transgressions, which he committed against the Lord, even against the word of the Lord, which he kept not, and for asking counsel of one that had a familiar spirit to inquire of it. And inquired not of the Lord, and therefore he slew him and turned his kingdom unto David, the son of Jesse. Why? Because he went to a spiritualist Seeking wisdom and counsel and advice instead of seeking the Lord. Other places, just one more, Jeremiah chapter 29. I think last week we seemed to spend most of our time sharing with you examples from Dr. Koch, and I just want you to realize that scripturally, and there are many other passages, I'll just quote them to you, you can write them down. Scripturally, there are many, many passages throughout the Word which condemns All forms of occultism. Jeremiah 29, and verse 8. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Let not your prophets and your diviners that be in the midst of you deceive you, neither hearken to your dreams which cause you to be dreamed. For they prophesy falsely unto you in my name, and I have not sent them, saith the Lord. And a few other places you can write down if you're taking notes. 1 Samuel 28. Verses six and following, Isaiah eight nineteen, Isaiah forty four twenty five, and Micah three, six and seven, as well as many of the other passages that we've given you over the last few weeks. Well when it comes to the subject of, of seeking knowledge that is from below, fortune telling and all the forms of it, which we talked about horoscopes and card-laying, palmistry and so forth. All of that is seeking after the obtaining of knowledge. When it comes to magic, which is the the second group that we're going to talk about in regard to the occult, magic is for the purpose of manipulating the powers from below. It is seeking to uh, change one's life or circumstances through the powers that have not been ordained of God. It is using both verbal forms of uh, curses and power. Remember in the very beginning we talked about how that the occult can come forth through speaking or through objects and things. Magic uses both of those. It can come forth through speaking and it can come forth through objects and means. And I think as you... Here are some of the examples and so forth. You'll be able to understand that uh, more clearly as we go on. The purpose of magic, as a definition, is to control the forces of nature by supernatural means. It is the lust for power and for knowledge contrary to the ways that have been prescribed by God. Now, the powers of magic come through four different means. And I'd like to deal with this first and then we'll talk about share with you some different examples as to how they uh magic can be put forth. Magic, the powers of magic can be obtained number one, through heredity, number two, through subscription to the devil. Do you remember how that one of the temptations of Jesus in Matthew four Satan came to him and took him upon a high tower and said unto him, All these kingdoms of the world and their power is mine and if you'll fall down and worship me, I will give you that power. And of course he said, Get thee behind me, Satan. But the devil was not lying when he said that he had the power over kingdoms and nations. The Bible in Second Corinthians says that he is the small g God of this world. He usurped that power from Adam, and he still has control of it at this point. And so, subscribing to the devil, submitting oneself to the devil, whether ignorantly or not, opens yourself up to his power. Thirdly, another way that magic can be brought forth is by experimenting with the means of magic. That opens oneself up to the power of magic. And all the things that we've talked about up to this point, when we talk about magical mirrors, and crystal balls, talk about omelets and divining rods and all those things, before you think I'm just really off the wall, and I'm not suggesting this, but all I has to have to do is go to the Internet and punch in on a search engine for the occult, and everything that I've mentioned is available by the means of a credit card. All the tarot cards, the crystal balls, the mirrors, anything that you might want. It's all right there. I was telling my wife this morning, I said, you know, we live in an area that that you don't see as much occult influence as much as if we went down south. You get into somewhere, you know, get into the regions of New Orleans and so forth, you're going to find it all over the place. And in other, other areas of the country, you go over to Europe, and it's much more prominent than it is here, especially over in, uh, areas of, uh, the so, areas that have broken away from the Soviet Union. They're still heavily involved in the occult. But she made, she mentioned to me, she said, well, yeah, that's true, but she said, you can still find the shingles out in front of the, out in front of the buildings in Finley, uh, with the palms and the palm reading. And that got me thinking, and I went to the Yellow Pages, just out of curiosity, to see if anybody was advertising. Sure enough, just in Toledo, there were 14 places where you could go to be hypnotized. And that was just the hypnotist, not the hypnotherapist, which will explain the difference. And Bowling Green, there was a couple phone numbers, and I'm not going to tell you what they are, I'm just saying, all I got to do is go to your local Yellow Pages. With that in mind, I thought, huh, I wonder what the Internet's like, and I was amazed, but obviously, that's the current way to get involved in the occult. And so all one has to do is just have a curiosity about the occult and want to dabble around and play around with card laying and with palm reading and learn how to be a, hypnosis, a hypnotist. I mean, one of the articles on the Internet was that they could teach you to be a hypnotist for $20, $19.95. All the things that come with it. And while a person may innocently say, oh, I just want to do this for fun and games, I just want to do this at, at a bridal shower party or whatever, it opens oneself up. You'll see that in a moment. It's opening yourself up because you're trying to use the power now, powers to control nature and events and circumstances, whether they be through animals, humans, or others. You're trying to obtain a power that God didn't give you, and there is a power that is there available to people, but it comes by um, opening yourself up to the powers of darkness. And fourthly, magic can be transmitted through others that have this power. Now let me, let me share with you some illustrations that Dr. Koch of what I'm talking about in regard to the four different ways that magic can be brought forth. And by the way, when I talk about magic, let's make a point. We're not talking here so much about the idea of the smoke and mirrors and the, the things that sometimes uh, people use that are, are, that are sheer forms of trickery. There are some people that have used uh, things that are trickery and sleight of hand and mirrors and later on come home and come on and show how they've done the trick. We're not talking about that kind of thing. Not that I'm saying that that's okay to dabble around in and play with. But magic goes far, far deeper than that. That's, uh, in, any, that's in any case, nothing more than a person that just has a, uh, a sleight of hand type of trick. No, we're talking about, let me give you a quick illustration here of a man dabbling in black magic. There are different forms of magic, black and white Hopefully by the end of this message I can give you a quick uh, definition between black and white, but I don't want to do it at this point. But here's an example. A man dabbled in black magic for many years, and he specialized in stealing milk from the neighboring farmers. He would tie a towel to a doorknob and then murmur magic phrases and squeeze the milk out of the towel. Now that's not sleight of hand trickery. I've heard of similar examples in my counseling work, but was unable to investigate them personally. But in that particular case, he did. And as I said, his files, and if I remember correctly, his 20,000 example file went way back into the 40s. And I believe he lived on up into the, I'm not sure when he went home, but many minutes. I'm sure that file grew much more from the time that this book was written. But, anyways, let me give you a couple, just a couple quick more here. Here's one in which, uh, the speaking of phrases is used magically. A farmer who had several bad crops in a row was given the following advice by a magician. He should place three grains of corn under his tongue, and while sowing, He should place three grains of corn under his tongue while sowing. Then, having sowed the field, he should spit the corn out of his mouth into the field, say a magic charm, and end by calling on the names of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. This is white magic, by the way, but we'll explain it later. This would then encourage growth, protect his crops from bad weather, and as a matter of fact, the farmer was convinced that the charming of his field had been beneficial. And since that time, his desire, to, but since that time, uh, his desire to read the word of God disappeared. And besides that, there was enormous increase in accidents in his stable. The devil will give one thing, but always takes back another, as you'll see. But going back to what I started with, how is how are these magical powers obtained? Well, one is that they're obtained by heredity. Passing one, passing these powers on from one generation to another generation to another generation and so forth. Here is an illustration. The evidence drawn from many actual case histories goes to prove the magical abilities can be passed on by the means of heredity. Um, <coughs> One mediumistic powers can be traced back over three and four generations in one family. There are two possibilities here. One being is that a matter of the, it is done by a matter of the genes, or the other is that it's a matter of succession. By this we mean the custom of a person on his deathbed actually bestowing the magical abilities upon the eldest son or daughter in order to die peacefully. Often tragic scenes occur when the children do not want to have these abilities passed on to them, and a person may cry out for weeks on his deathbed for someone to relieve him of his magical powers. Sometimes a distant relative or an outsider is willing to accept the succession. The reason for this may differ from case to case, be it pity, curiosity, or maybe lust for power. The death of some magicians can drag on over a period of weeks, till the office of, quote, succession has been settled. This is not apostolic, but a diabolic succession. In my own experiences, I I recall a woman who obtained not the powers of magic, but the powers of spiritualism through the family, grandmothers passing it to mothers, mothers passing it to daughters, and so forth. It was something, that, a power. They were from England. It was a power that they had obtained and they wanted to pass that power on down in succession. Heredity is one way in which magical powers can be passed on. Another I mentioned was subscription to the devil. Later on in another message we'll deal with the subject of blood packs and so forth which uh, would fall under this category but at this point let me just quickly read this. He says, Magical powers, on the other hand, may originate through subscription to the devil. One can see this, in the, see this as the counterpart to baptism. To every event recorded in the Bible, there seems to be a demonic parallel to it in the field of magic. Subscription to the devil accounts for some of the most terrible and formidable cases met with by Christian workers. And he gives just a couple of illustrations here. In Paris, there's an occult church with the name or title We Worship the Prince of This World. This church has sister congregations in in uh, Bern and Bethel and one just recently has been opened in Rome. In order to become a member of this church, one has to subscribe oneself to the devil and this is baptism into black magic. There are some of these organizations and churches, for example, right on the Internet now, and how to um, get involved in it. For years, a man in Togenberg, Switzerland, had a flourishing practice as a nature healer and a charmer. He could even cure some people who the doctors had given up as hopeless. He'd healed the blind, the lame, cases of advanced cancer, tuberculosis, leukemia, multiple sclerosis, and other serious diseases. On one occasion, however, the man's own personal need came to the surface, and he said, "I can help others, but for myself, there is no help. No, not in all eternity." In his youth, the man had subscribed himself to the devil, and it was since that time that he obtained his unearthly healing ability. Now that may raise a question with you. Are you saying that the devil heals? Well, I'd like you to turn to Second Thessalonians chapter two and verse nine. I don't like to think of it in the sense of healing, but if the devil puts it on a person, then the devil can take it off. If the purpose behind it is for some greater reason than just to oppress the person with sickness. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9, we've read this in recent weeks. Keep in mind that everything that the Bible speaks about The devil can counterfeit. Counterpart. Remember when we were studying last week out of Exodus? That the magicians kept right up with Moses and Aaron on everything they did up to a point. Right on through several of the plagues, they just mimicked it with their magic and that was allowed by God for the purpose of hardening Pharaoh's heart. Here we're told about the Antichrist, verse 8, He says, Then shall that wicked one be revealed whom the Lord will consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. Satan has power, signs, and wonders. But they're lying wonders, lying signs. They're lying because they're deceivable. They're trying to deceive a person to the thinking that by following after the ways of darkness that one can obtain the power they need to deliver them from the problems of light. But Satan is just, uh, he is one that if he allows something to be, a person to be healed, he's just going to take his toll in another way. They're lying signs. They tell a lie. With all deceivableness, of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved for this cause God shall send them a strong delusion that they should believe a lie they didn't want the truth and so if a person doesn't want the truth then God in his righteousness and holiness can send them a strong delusion that they would believe a lie he'll harden their heart just like he did with Pharaoh that they might all be damned who believe not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. But, but but we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God has, cho- has from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the spirit and belief of the truth. Now I realize, you know, when, you've got, when you're talking to a bunch of liberal-minded, wishy-washy Christians, you're going to have a hard time with something like that. You're going to have a hard time with a lot of areas of the Word like, for example, in the case of, of Pharaoh's heart being hardened, uh, the question of who hardened Pharaoh's heart, when you find that it is God who hardened Pharaoh's heart to deliver his people out of Egypt, that just doesn't sound like the loving God of the Bible that is always presented to us. God is a loving God. He's a merciful and gracious God. But at the same time, he's also righteous and holy and just. And he has told us not to dabble in the realms of the occult. If we choose to ignore that and to say, oh, that's just a bunch of phony baloney, and go ahead and get involved in the occult, we have rejected the truth and followed after the ways of darkness. And he says that can open ourselves up to the deceivableness of unrighteousness in which Satan can bring forth power and signs and lying wonders which can deceive now that's what he said. Stay with the truth, right? That's all we have to do is do what Christ has said to do, and will not be. We don't have to worry about anything, and that should be the love in your heart to want to do that. <laughs> so, what he's saying here, Doctor Koch is saying that subscription to the devil can open oneself up to magical powers. And friends, people do that all the time. I mean, I like I said, I just did a five, ten minute search on the internet just to, just to look around and I think there was some rock group out there that I think they were called the occult and everything about their whole message and music was subscribing people to the devil through their rock music. It's all around us. This shouldn't be anything new. Hollywood promotes it. They criticize things like Mel Gibson's movie, and yet they promote things that uh, that promote magic and extrasensory perception. I mean, the Lord of the Rings is full of a cult, but you don't hear Hollywood crying out about that. But let them put a little bit of truth on, you know, on this recent movie put out on The Passion, and everybody's up in arms because, well, you're creating anti-Semitism. You know, create a little anti-colism, and that's infringement on First First Amendment rights. All we have to do is wake up, church. It's going to get promoted in the... If it's not going to get promoted by the Internet, it's going to get promoted by Hollywood. There's so much science fiction occult trash coming out of Hollywood that if you're not careful, you can open up the door to uh, oppression or at least a very naive attitude about the occult to whereby you just don't resist it the way the Bible says to resist it. Personally, when when I run into areas of the occult, it's just... It's been so long since we've been taught these things. We've been taught it for so long, it just is a flick of the finger to turn the channel. You don't even want to... I get absolutely no pleasure, no interest, no enjoyment in it whatsoever. And if that's being legalistic, you want to call it that, I don't care. To me, it's being safe instead of sorry. That's all. But anyways... Subscription to the devil is one thing. Thirdly, we said that it also comes around comes by experimentation. Let me give you an illustration of what he speaks of. And experimentation, like I said, all of these all of these occult things can be found on the internet and it's all around you in a number of ways. When I was a kid, you used to go to the carnival. And you could easily get involved in it in the carnivals because uh, the carnivals are traveling gypsies. And a lot of that occult stuff is prevalent there. And it's there and available if you're interested in it, they'll get you involved in it. And here's another one which is involved in experimentation of it. Just, just for fun and games, wanting to play around. He says, he gives an illustration. A Swiss factory worker grew tired of his job. And since he'd often heard that alcohol healers and mesmerizers made a lot of money, he bought some magic literature for himself. And he set about to learning the magic charms and underwent the various devil ceremonies and then began experimenting. And his magic healing ability developed and ultimately his income surpassed his previous earnings. Many times over. Where do you think his powers came from? If you want to, if you want to let the devil know that you'd like to have his power, I'm sure he's looking for as many people as he can to put it into practice. And then Doctor Coke gives another illustration, which kind of ties all of this together, especially the hereditary, the hereditary aspect. A young woman told me this story. Her great grandmother had subscribed herself to the devil with her own blood. She practiced black magic and had healed both animals and people and on her deathbed she terribly, she had terribly, suffered terribly as is often the case with magic conjurers. The daughter that is the grandmother of the storyteller took over the magic powers of her mother. The magic literature of her mother also passed into her hands and later the apparition of the great grandmother was seen by the relatives. The grandmother, however, continued to practice magic. During nights of the full moon, she would charm diseases. She also was in the habit of using a key suspended over Bible as a pendulum, and she could successfully stop people from bleeding. If she ever attempted to read the Bible, she found it quite a trial, and as she grew older, she began to see black figures in her home, and finally, when she died, it was again an unpleasant time. Her ghost was also seen after her departure. The story went on that the young woman's mother had then taken over the magical literature and practices and she too became a well-known healer, but her fate but her fate, had been the same as her predecessors. The fourth member in this terrible line of succession was now the young woman, and as a small child her mother had cast spells over her Shortly after this, she would become clairvoyant and had also begun to see black figures in the house. Her brother and sister suffered from depression. She herself had serious psychic and nervous disturbances, which led her to seek the help of a minister, and she was delivered. He also mentions ghosts in there, which we haven't talked about, which will be a third area when we talk about spiritism, because when people talk about ghosts I think they think of Casper and think of all that as fun and games but there's quite to be said when it comes to uh, the subject of uh, I had it on the tip of my tongue uh, there's a technical term for it poltergeist phenomena is what we'll talk about but we'll get into that later on because it's. there are many examples and stories of people that have gotten up in the morning only to find their living room totally rearranged by something in the house of course that kind of stuff does make Hollywood with what was the programs they used to have on years ago and unsolved mysteries or something which oftentimes brought forth some of those things but anyways I don't want to get off the point the fourth way that magical powers can be brought forth is by transference I'd like you to look at First Timothy chapter 5 real quick before I read this because as i've said throughout this studies there's a counterpart that the devil has for everything that's true in the bible there is a counterfeit just like to the gifts of the spirit there are counterfeit gifts of the spirit and much of that is in the realm of the occult paul makes a statement there in 1 timothy chapter 5 and verse 22 he says lay hands suddenly On no man, neither be partakers of other men's sins, but keep thyself pure. He says, to lay hands suddenly on no man. The laying on of hands is not just something that is a ritual, a formality. There is power that is released through the laying on of hands. People receive the baptismal spirit through the power that is within the person with the baptismal with the Holy Spirit, that when they're prayed for to receive the Holy Spirit, it is imparted through the laying on of hands. I believe it's Acts 8, where, uh, if you turn over there real quickly, where Simon, I believe, was one that sought to have that kind of power through the laying on of hands. In Acts chapter 8, <coughs> Philip has been preaching. The word and with signs and wonders and miracles following. And in verse 8 it says, There was great joy in the city. And there was a certain man called Simon, which before time in the same city used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that himself was some great one. He used witchcraft and magic, to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying this man. Has the great power of God. And to him they had regard because that of a long time he'd bewitched them with sorceries. But when they believed Philip, preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized both men and women, and Simon himself believed also. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and the signs that were done. When the apostles, which were at Jerusalem, heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, and when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only that they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. See, something happened when they laid their hands on them. Something, Simon here saw something. We've often talked about this in regard to the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. When they laid their hands on people, and people received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they saw something happen. And Simon, when he saw that, when Simon saw that through the laying on the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money saying, Give me also this power. It wasn't just something that was a ritual. It wasn't just something that was a formality. When they laid hands on people, they saw something happen. And Simon, coming out of that old occult background, He wanted that power. Saying, give me this also, that whosoever I may lay my hands on may receive the Holy Spirit. Peter said, thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. He wanted it to make money off of. That's what Peter was saying. Your motive's not right. You're just going back to your old ways where you made a living off of off of uh, healing people and blessing people with your occult sorcery and witchcraft Peter said thy money perish with thee because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money thou hast need to partner a lot in this manner for thy heart is not right in the sight of God repent therefore of this wickedness and pray God it prevents her the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee For I perceived that thou art in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. And Simon asked for Peter to pray for him and he repented. But his heart was not right. He wanted that power only he was looking at it from thinking that he had the power of God before. Now he wanted this power that through the laying on of hands people could be blessed with him. There's a place where we're saying that just as the power of God can be transmitted from a man of God to a person, for some reason, like healing, the Bible says that we also need to be discerning that who we're being prayed for, that through the laying on of hands, the power that is in them, if it's the powers of darkness, that power can be transmitted also through the laying on of hands. Do you remember when Jacob uh, was blessed by Isaac? And Esau came in and said, Father, he's taken my birthright. Isaac didn't say, Oh, that's just nothing. That's just here, come here. Let me lay hands on you and pronounce his blessing. Obviously Jacob didn't get it because of his trickery trickery. He said to Esau, He's blessed. He got your blessing. I can't take it back. It was given, friends. This too often we just think that there's nothing to this. Anyways, he gives an illustration of these of magical power being transferred uh, through the laying on of hands. A young man told me that he had once had three black magicians lay their hands on his head and murmur some magic charms over him and afterwards possessed magic abilities which astonished even the family doctor. The doctor had investigated his powers and had to acknowledge that they were genuine. The laying on of hands of the magicians would again be a counterpart to the scriptural laying on of hands, which was what we shared with you out of First Thessalonians. But magical power can come forth through those means. Now when we talk about magical power, I want to just start on this. Won't be able to complete it fully. Magical power comes forth in a number of different ways. One of the main, one major way that magic is performed is through hypnosis. Hypnosis, for example, and this particular man, Dr. Koch, he makes a distinction between non-magical hypnosis and magical hypnosis. Now he does make the point, as well as many others, that hypnosis is hypnosis and it can sometimes even lead to criminal acts. You'll find where psychiatrists, psychologists, and people in the medical field that believe that hypnosis is good for, uh, good can be used for uh, delivering people of fears, delivering people of, of uh, habits. Tobacco and weight loss and so forth is often advertised by means of hypnosis and a number of other things. And so they say that no criminal activity can obviously take place during hypnosis. But that's, that. I don't believe that to be true. There are a number of illustrations, cases of people that have been reported that have, they have been molested and so forth under the power of some doctor that hypnotized them. And if his motive was to do that, then you're talking about magical hypnosis. But there is a difference. Non-magical hypnosis is, is used for the purpose of good toward a person. Magical hypnosis is used to perform some harmful thing. And here you're getting in the areas of black magic versus white magic. And I'll explain the difference here in a little bit. But hypnosis... Hypnosis is putting yourself under the influence and power of a person's suggestions. And you're taking that God-given barrier that God has given all of us here, and you're allowing that to be switched off. See, all of us here, we have the power through education, through the new birth, uh, moral upbringing, society, for example. Uh, we have a, a, a power from within. We have a conscience. We have the ability by our will to say yes or no to doing some things. You have that power. You have the power, for example, to, well, take maybe, maybe you work with someone that is mouthy and lippy and arrogant and they're just a little tyke. Maybe you're a big guy and you have the power and the ability physically and everything else that you could, take that person to the side and just pound the daylights out of them. You could easily do that and maybe get them off your back. But you have the power to control that temper when your boss is there knowing that you could get disciplined or fired. You have the power and the ability to bite your tongue and not haul off and beat on that person. It's the control of your will. We all have the willpower to be able to control our actions. Isn't that true? Hypnosis is turning off the willpower. It is submitting yourself to the power of the hypnotist to whereby now you're not going to use your willpower but you're going to put yourself under his power for some particular purpose or reason. And of course they in a non they try to say that it is for something good. Now, as far as criminal uses of hypnosis, this this question under non-magical, he gives some illustrations here. Uh, Dr. Freeman speaks of some in in the Angels of Light book and so forth. He says here, a girl reported in a counseling session that her doctor whom she had consulted had hypnotized her, and while hypnotized, he would seduced her. The doctor had done the same thing to her girlfriend, and it was later discovered that he'd also done this with other girls. And when these stories leaked out, the doctor left town, settled elsewhere, and the girl said for a long time after this incident she had not been able to read her Bible. She felt a strong aversion towards religion. Evil thoughts had always come to her mind when praying. And then he gives another illustration of, one of a Christian girl, very respectable that she had been hypnotized and found herself pregnant and this well I'll read it to you the doctor at a hospital had indecently assaulted women and girls under hypnosis once the ward sister caught him in the act to cover up his scandalous behavior he used to question the patients about their sexual relationships and included their answers in their case histories and thus he tried to protect himself in the event of anything being discovered. A respectable girl who was engaged to a Christian young man became pregnant at the hospital, and following this her fiancé left her. The girl herself denied all knowledge of having sexual relationships with anyone. The doctor had lain with her and when she she was hypnotized. The assistant matron and the ward sister finally reported the doctor the doctor, and however, the result was that they themselves were dismissed by the medical superintendent. The doctor in question stayed. Other nurses who also had incriminating evidence against him were forced to keep quiet now because of the fear of dismissal. But after a few years, when the situation became too hot for the doctor, he left and went abroad. That means came over here. Anyways... That is, hypnosis, in, a, in, the non, in the non-magical sense, it's used for delivering a person of nervousness, of fears, habits, and so forth, uh, a number of different things. But magical hypnosis is different in that it is for the purpose of hypnotizing a person for cursing them in some way. Let me give you a few illustrations of this. In his spare time, a minister dabbled in magic. He experimented in various areas, learned card laying, how to use a pendulum, magic charming, and magic hypnosis. Since he had no suitable people to experiment on, he used his wife for this purpose. I guess he didn't call her suitable. Anyway. As his magical abilities increased, so too did his own and his wife's dislike for the Bible and prayer. This dislike developed into a strong resistance, and as time went on, psychic disturbances appeared in the wife, and she exhibited serious anxiety, hysteria, and always had to lock the door of whatever room she happened to be in, and so forth. A businessman had the strange ability of being able to influence his customers hypnotically magically causing them to accept the business offers that he makes to them and in this way his yearly income exceeded $600,000 a year. He rejects Christianity altogether. Nate was telling me some some situations he was in he was a, a customer that felt the woman came from Columbia or something. And she had felt that one of the Jamaican men that they hired to do some work, well, she was really questioning and wondering if he had put the family under a curse because the death of a dog and uh, other situations are, were arising. Anyways, hypnosis then, in a, in a magical sense, is... Hypnotizing a person so that you can take advantage of them and so forth. Another form of magic is mental suggestion. Similar to hypnotism, except this is where something is transmitted over a distance. A person uses their magical powers to be able to control a person, not at, not, not that they are actually in front of them, but that over a particular distance, they can have some form of control. Here's an example. A young psychologist wanted to qualify as a university lecturer. He specialized in hypnosis, though it was not the normal type of hypnosis, but rather mental suggestion. He looked for a sensitive subject for his experiments. He found one in the secretary of his boss. She was a nervous She was of nervous debility, easily influenced. And without asking, he attempted to put her to sleep. He'd sit down about three or four yards away, either in the same room or neighboring one, and then concentrate on her. And she would find that her arms would suddenly become limp. A tremendous tiredness would come over. And she would have to fight with all her strength to avoid falling asleep. These experiments were continued over a period of time with the girl always resisting them, And during this time, the girl gradually developed psychic disturbances and consulted a psychiatrist. And when he heard of the suggestive experiments, he told her that they would not do her any good, as he already knew about the experiments of the young psychologist. The girl, having been subject to these experiments for a considerable period of time, has since experienced strange paralytic symptoms and is now only capable of doing part-time work. It affected her even physically. Now, this girl did not submit to it. She had, she resisted it. She was still under some effects from it. But with the hypnosis, if she would have submitted to it, he would have had the power and the ability to put her to sleep. It's a matter of resistance. And there are some others here that are really bizarre that I don't want to get into reading them. But uh, here's one more. For several years the craftsman indulged in black magic... He was chiefly concerned with the influencing of other people through his magic, and he also belonged to a magic circle which itself conducted unusual experiments. The first victim was a sensitive girl. He brought her under his control to such an extent that she sacrificed both her money and her body to him. And after this initial success, he looked for other victims. He continued to be successful with his experiments, and finally found a girl who regularly handed over her monthly paycheck to him. And for this reason, he lived with her until finally her parents reported the matter to the police. And then he also gives another illustration here of of a doctor. And this is uh, magical hypnotism, or mesmerism he refers to it as. And it's a doctor that was in Germany. He says, our first examples of this, we will turn to Dr. Trampler, a lawyer. I'm sorry, he was a lawyer. Dr. Trampler, who was a lawyer, who was originally a student of groaning, who later ceased to hold the same ideas that Dr. Trampler had outlined in his methods of healing in a book entitled, quote, Healing Through the Spirit, capital letters. His most fanatical followers are women. I've seen in counseling people that his healing powers are not beneficial, but instead a burden to those treated. Two examples can be quoted to indicate this. I'll only read one. A woman visited Dr. Trampler in Munich. He was successful in treating her back aches. And in the course of the treatment, he made her hold up her fingers in the air as if they were antennas for cosmic powers. So he said on returning home, she found that organically she'd been healed. But since then, her spiritual life was held in check. She, like many others now, found it impossible to pray and felt as though it was an impenetrable wall between herself and God. Well, magic... In the I don't want to get into some of the other ways that are used, using objects and things. I'll get into that next week. But I do want to, in closing, try to explain the difference between black magic and white magic. Because this is very commonplace. Black magic uses demonic forces, while white magic allegedly is promoted by the power of God. That's the difference. When people... Sometimes you'll run into Christians that think that magic is a gift of God. Many years ago in the church, when we first got started, there was a man in the church that was a ventriloquist. And he was, he was convinced that his power was of God. That God gave him the power, the ability to be able to speak through a wooden dummy. And he was using that for evangelistic purposes. And, and so when we went to the Bible and explained how that that was demonic power he chose to leave the church rather than give up his quote gifts from God but God doesn't need wooden dummies to preach the gospel I mean uh, he's got enough human beings to do it (laughs) the right way I'm not saying that he couldn't but this guy was making money off of it but anyways well anyways (laughs) I say that, but see, they're on Christian television right now. They're on Christian television right now. And they think it's a gift of God. But let me give you quickly the difference between black magic and white magic. Here's some examples of black magic. In black magic, the person knows that they're using the powers of darkness for some particular reason. White magic, they're just trying to cover it over with scripture verses and phrases to try to make the magic appear like it's something from God. That's the big difference. Here's black magic in illustration. A minister informed me that the whole of his congregation had been infected by occultism. As an example, he told me of the healing of a 20-year-old girl through magic. Because of an attack of polio, the girl had had a leg shortened. She'd been in the hospital for a long time and then was released as incurable. The girl and her mother were very depressed, and in this state, they sought the help of a man who practiced black magic. This man sold them a mandrake root for about $450. The root, which in some ways resembled a human figure, according to his directions, had to be nursed by the girl as if it were a child. She had to wash it, feed it, put it to bed as if it were really alive, and the magician then told the girl to pray and repeat vindictive psalms or songs and to write them out and to sleep with them under her pillow. Next he went on to tell her to stick two knives in the wall above her bed and to put more knives under the pillow. And in spite of this strange treatment, the girl discovered that her legs grew longer, and she was healed. Afterwards, she developed those serious psychic disturbances. She went to her minister. He couldn't give her any advice. The girl could no longer pray. When she tried to clasp her hands together, they were torn apart. And on attempting to read the Bible, she was assaulted with blasphemous thoughts. Fearing the loss of her own sanity, the girl gave both the mandrake and the root and an amulet, which she'd also received, to the minister. And now she lived in the fear that the magician would revenge himself and her leg, though it had been healed, returned again to its former state. Another example of black magic. During a mission in Togenberg, a farmer came and told me of some unhappy results of black magic charming his boy contracted polio. The doctor was called in too late. The boy remained paralyzed. And since the farmer had wanted his son to be healthy, no matter what the cost, he tried everything and finally went to the notorious magician, Hugentobler in Petersville. This man healed the boy with the help of black magic and his paralysis disappeared completely. For several years, everything went well. But when his son was 16 years old, the father found him in the stable dying from a cut cartoid artery and this happened quite out of the blue. The boy had previously shown no signs of unhappiness. In other words, he he tried to kill himself. On his son, however, the father found an omelet from from Hugentobler. Opening the leather pouch, he took out a small piece of paper with the inscription, this soul belongs to the devil. This was proof enough that Hugo Tobler had used black magic on the boy. That's black magic. White magic, though, is where the use of biblical terms are used in the formulas to whereby uh, a person feels that it's coming from God. He gives an illustration here. A missionary to the Jews in North Africa by the name of Samuel reported one of the magic customs was that when one of their children is ill, they take a towel, they tie a knot in it, and they say, In the name of the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, be released from your sickness. They then untie the knot, the child gets well. This is a piece of magic charming and is a counterpart to black magic. He gives another. A woman from Bukowina told us that her relatives could heal any type of disease in both animals and human beings merely through using white magic charms. By adding the words in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit to the spell, the sickness would disappear. In spite of a family tradition of church going... The various spells and charms had been handed down in the family for several generations. Both the woman and her daughter suffer from nervous disturbances. It was for this reason that she sought the counsel of a minister, and her condition improved after the minister had prayed with her, and she became a convinced Christian. Uh, there's one more that I would like to read, I think, because there are many, many illustrations of this. But here's one that's really quite bizarre. A woman was seriously ill in a hospital, suffering from shingles and ulcers on her legs. Her condition was so bad that the doctor ordered a nurse to be at her side continually during the night. The nurse was sitting next to the bed of the woman when she began to whisper over her and said to the nurse, Nurse, you can help me. You can help me. The nurse was afraid the woman might want her to pray or read something from the Bible, but the patient wanted neither. The nurse was so full of fear in the presence of the woman that she couldn't, she could not have even prayed if she wanted to. However, the woman continued, you can help me, nurse. You can help me, nurse. In the end, the nurse asked, how can I help you? And with that, the woman became quite excited and explained, I want you to put your hands on the places of my body, which are diseased, and I want you to make three crosses over them and to mention the names of the Trinity together with a little verse that I will tell you. By now the nurse was even more frightened and at that moment a doctor came down the corridor and she called to him and she asked him if she should do what the woman had asked and he replied, you might as well, you, you might as well. Humanly speaking, there's not much hope for her, and you never know it might help. The nurse went back to the woman who again immediately urged her to start the charming process. At last she, compiled, she complied with the patient's wishes, making the crosses, saying that it had been asked to say, and when she finished, the woman at once relaxed and was at rest. However, an even greater fear gripped the nurse. Over the next few days, the woman's condition improved beyond all expectation. The doctors were astonished. The ulcers healed up immediately, as did all the symptoms of the skin disease, and was five, within five days she was completely well. The doctors could give no reason for her recovery. The one who had encouraged the nurse to carry on with the charming kept the incident to herself. And the following six years, though, the nurse had no rest. She could not pray. She was nauseated by the scriptures. She suffered from dizziness. She could not concentrate. And besides having other psychic disturbances, in the end, because of her condition, she came to me for counseling. And we traced everything back to the terrible incident in the hospital with a woman. Without realizing it, this woman had participated in white magic. Now, that raises a question, or at least all of this does. Because they're using phrases that come from the Bible. Three crosses, the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and so forth. How can that be looked upon as white magic? Look at Acts chapter 19. The difference here, and I think he may even go on to share this and I might read it quickly, but I'd like you to turn to Acts chapter 19. He doesn't refer to this. But you... When... We use terms out of the Bible like the blood of Jesus in the name of Jesus. We've been taught those are weapons that we can use against the powers of darkness and they are. But those have to be used in faith. There's no power in the letters J-E-S-U-S. There's no power in the letters B-L-O-O-D. There's no power in paper written with black and white letters covered with two leather, two leather uh, covers. There's no power in that. The power is in what they mean. The power is in the faith in your heart. This is why a lot of people have not gotten victory and power from the name of Jesus or the blood of Jesus because they're merely using it as a formula. This is not a formula, friends. It's not a formula. When a person uses the power, the blood of Jesus, when they know in their heart that Christ paid the penalty for their sins, and that blood has washed them and redeemed them, and they are a child of God, and that they have, and that as a child of God, Satan has no right to oppress them. When they have that understanding in their heart and in their minds, to whereby they use that to remind the devil that. He has no legal right to oppress them. That's a whole lot different than just saying a word. There's no power in a word. There's power in what that word means. And the devil uses phrases and terms in a counterfeit way if he can get people to using that thinking that they've got some kind of power by, by a use of a name when they don't have a right or understanding to that name. Let me give you probably the best illustration out of the Bible. In Acts chapter 19, (coughs) we read of the seven sons of Sceva. It says in verse 11, God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul. So that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs, aprons, and the diseases departed out of them and evil spirits went with them. And then certain of the vagabond Jews who were exorcists took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus saying we adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. They're just using it like a magical formula like a magical word. They have no relationship with Christ. They're not doing it out of the heart. They're not doing it out of faith. They're using it as a magical phrase. They think there's a, think there's power in that word, but there's a difference. The evil spirit said, "Jesus, I know, and Paul, I know, but who are you?" The demons knew what was going on more than these sons of Sceva, and the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped upon them, overcame them, and prevailed against them, so that they fled out of the house, naked and wounded. They were trying to use. Jesus, the phrase, Jesus, whom Paul preaches in a magical way. And you saw what happened. The devil took advantage of the situation and overcame him. Dr. Koch, he writes in in his book, just something I want to read real quickly, and then we'll pick up on this next week. He says, To distinguish between white magic and the true laying on of hands is often quite difficult even when the basic differences are known. In the true prayer of faith, the person concerned submits completely to the will of God. In white magic, the idea is to compel God to act. With true prayer, God is really involved, whereas in white magic, the name of God is only used by way of a technical formula. And that's the difference. So magic, white magic, uses biblical terms and phrases but uses them to try to force God to do something that is either contrary to his will. It's just it's trying to use some kind of phrase or term in a magical way. That's not faith. That's not faith. There is a big difference between the two. In faith we're we're doing what Christ has told us to do and it's being done from the heart and in magic they're using it as a means and a formula to try to manipulate the power of God. God's not going to submit to that. God's sovereign. God's God. God does what he wants to do, and here's no one's gonna make him do otherwise. And the devil just uses that as an opportunity to deceive as Paul said in the book of Second Corinthians, Satan is as an angel of light seeking to deceive. He's like an angel of light. And he'll seek to deceive in any possible way that he can. Well, I trust that the studies this morning and reading Dr. Cokes book, the purpose of this is not to just... I guess I'm reading from a person that I, I believe is an authority on the subject. I'm learning from him. You can learn from him. But the point is that I believe God wants us to have our spiritual antennas up to whereby we can be discerning and not fall victim to the deceivableness of unrighteousness and, and, the, and the wiles of the devil that he can use to get us moving off in a direction contrary to what the Scriptures teach. There's a lot more occult out there. I guess... Personally, I guess I thought to myself here within the last few weeks, well, when I felt the Lord tell me to teach on the occult, I thought, do I really need to teach on that? I didn't seem like there's that much occult in the area. But the more I got into it and the more I started looking around, I think there's more occult out there today available to people than there was a few years ago, especially with the use of the Internet. And there's a lot of gullible people that would are getting involved in it, not realizing that they're dabbling with the powers of darkness. I'm gonna finish up on magic next week and then I want to get into spiritism and then then we'll talk about deliverance from uh, oppression in that area and move on. Father in heaven we ask you to bless the word to our hearts and I pray that the word will just give us discernment that we can determine what is the truth and what is not and follow after that which is righteous and good I pray the word would also give us discernment to whereby we can know the voice of the shepherd we can know Jesus' voice and follow him and not be gullible and open ourselves up to deceptive voices from the powers of darkness We ask all that, Father, in Jesus' name. Sister Darlene, you must have a need.